and welcome to this special bonus episode of National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And you know, everyone, you are so lucky that we're here with a bonus episode for you in between seasons three and four. You probably really missed us, right? (laughs) So lucky. We're going to tell you how to feel. (laughs) I hope you feel lucky. So the secret is we just couldn't stay off the mic and not talk to you for a whole, you know, month and a half. So you listening today is really doing us a service and we are grateful. So as you all know, if you're tuning in right now, we are on hiatus between the end of National Treasure Hunt season three and before the start of season four. But we couldn't leave well enough alone, and we've enjoyed interacting with our National Treasure Hunters so much on social media over the past season. And hey, back in our bonus episode in season one as well, that we wanted to talk to all of you on air. And that's what today's bonus episode is all about, right, Em? It is. In this episode, we have five different National Treasure Hunters that join us in four conversations. And let me just say... They are some great conversations. And you will get to know those guests right here on the show in just a few minutes. We'll let them tell you a little bit about their backgrounds and why they love National Treasure so much. But the other thing that we really wanted to pick their brains about is really what we spent a lot of last season talking about on the show, which is really the characters in National Treasure. Yeah. And the characters are what make the movie, so... Yeah, I mean, Emily and I are obviously super opinionated about the characters, <laughs> so we biased. we assume that other people have feelings as well, and this was their opportunity to share them. And hey, we all know how much you love our classic speed round for interviews, and so you're going to get some of that as well. So, hey, you never know the next time we're going to have one of these bonus episodes featuring National Treasure Hunt listeners, so don't forget to chat with us on social media. Yes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. We are also available to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Good Pods. Guys, go ahead, like, subscribe, rate, review, do whatever you can. Like Aubrey said, talk to us. We absolutely love to hear from you guys and have conversations with you guys, not only about the episode specifically, but about various things that pop up in your life that are related to National Treasure. So go ahead and make sure that you chat with us yes and honestly em i don't really know how much more there is to say you want to just dive into this let's do it all right without further ado please enjoy these conversations with national treasure hunters We have an extremely special guest here for this episode. So please, special guest, what is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Hi, I am Anthony Welk. I actually reside here in uh, San Antonio, Texas, born and raised. And I am actually a custodian for uh, HEB Grocery Retailer here in in Texas. It's a privately owned, still a privately owned uh, independent grocery company that uh, right now houses stores all in South Texas, parts of Mexico, and they're actually starting to expand uh, now north of the city around Dallas. So it's a pretty big, a pretty big company. 
I have to say, I actually know what H-E-B is because- Oh, wow. Yeah, my boyfriend is from Texas and uh -huh. his, he grew up going to H-E-B in McAllen. Oh, wow. That is so neat. Have you ever been to Texas before? I have. I've been to McAllen and to Houston. Uh -huh. um, oh, cool. So limited experience. Um, I will mm -hmm. tell you that I just really want to see an armadillo, but I have yet to see one in the wild. <laughs> I can guarantee you, if nothing else, you can, if you should ever happen to take a trip to the Panhandle in Texas around Amarillo and Lubbock, mm -hmm. there is no doubt you will see that over there. Because I saw a lot when I was actually uh, briefly going to college up there. I went to, attended uh, West Texas A&M University in Canyon, Texas. Uh, Emily will like this. I was actually going there for music performance and education hey! at the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I ended up dropping out, which I will admit, because at the time when I was getting ready to go to college, I didn't really give it a thought that what I wanted to do, if I even wanted a career, I just jumped into music because I was already involved with it through junior high and high school. So it took going to college to one, realize career wasn't for me, college wasn't for me, and like literally full-time 24-7 music career wasn't for me. So you Yeah, know, that it, can be tricky. Yeah, so it sucked that it took me that long to get to it, but still the college experience itself with uh, the music program I was involved with, that, you know, can't, uh, it's something I don't regret. The schooling itself, yeah, because I wish I would have thought more about it, but the experience kind of made up for that, you know, so, but yeah, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's oh my great. gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And I just I just have to say for folks listening in, um, Anthony is someone we were so excited to welcome to the show today because he is, if you don't mind me saying, Anthony, the one and only monkey noodles on Twitter. <laughs> Not at all. Which means, you know, any of our independent podcasters who might be listening in, they all know that Anthony is probably the biggest indie podcast supporter that there is. So um, we were so excited to have you on here today because not only are you such a great podcast fan, um, but you're such a great national treasure fan. And so <laughs> being able to get your take on these movies and especially their characters is something that we have been very excited for. So Anthony, I just want to start by asking you, what is your first memory of National Treasure and why do you enjoy these movies so much? Well, you know, that, uh, that's a good question because uh, when I got to thinking about that, I was uh, realizing that it was really because of my mom that I got involved with these movies to begin with. I don't really know why when I remember them coming out in the theaters, but for whatever reason, I just never went to go see them. And then I remember, well, of course, when they got released on home video and all that. So basically kind of skipping forward, my mom at the time who had cable, well, a lot of times on the weekends when I would go down to visit, she would either have watched a movie or in the process of watching something. So one weekend she told me, hey, she goes, have you seen uh, National Treasure? She goes, because I know you like Nicolas Cage because she knows I'm a huge like fan of his. And I was like, no, I said, but is that the Disney movies that he did? She was like, yeah, she says they're both really good. She goes, you've got to watch them. And I said, there's two of them because I didn't know about the second at the time. And she goes, yeah, she says there's a first and second one. She said, and I'll tell you what, she says, if they re-air uh, between now and the next time you come back, she says, I'll record them for you. Sure enough, that's what happened. I can't recall exactly what channel it was that it showed them, but she managed to get them both that week. And we watched them that, uh, that weekend. And that was it, man, because I was already a fan of his. She knew I was going to like him. And of course, it's Disney because I like Disney movies anyway. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, that's how I got, uh, got onto him was hearing about it from my mom. 
So that's always uh, stuck with me every time I watch them, especially when I tweet about it, that I'm going to, you know, binge the movies over the weekend because of an episode I heard on your show. Well, she's like the first thing I always think of when, uh, when I see those movies, because she's the one that got me hooked on them. <laughs> so sweet. I love that. And I feel like I can relate to that because it's definitely a family thing for me too. So, um, so I love, I love knowing that, but I have to ask now that I know you're a mm-hmm. big Nick Cage fan, do you have uh-huh. a favorite Nick Cage movie? And we will not be offended if it's not National Treasure, I promise. <laughs> well, I will say this is definitely without a doubt National Treasure. But if you put that movie aside and then ask me something else, my favorite movie of his is Con Air. I love that one. Okay. That is definitely my number one movie. But yeah, if you're going to include the the ones he did for uh, Disney, at least those two, without a doubt, it's hands down National Treasure, both the first and second. Might as well just say they're equals at that. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we're going to make you choose later on in the episode. So get ready. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But, you know, so many people have told me that I should watch Con Air. I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, Em. I haven't, but I've heard the same thing. People have said that I should definitely check it out. So maybe we'll have to have a a viewing night coming up, Aubrey. We should do that. Yeah. One thing Emily will like about there's no car chases in that one. (laughs) (gasps) Amazing. Perfect. It's I love it already. But are there are there plane chases? Uh, kind of one with a little bit of a twist, if I'm thinking of it correctly, which I won't spoil that one because I'm going to want Emily to see that for herself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Emily, you'll have to let him report know. back. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to let me know about that. I think you'll know it when you see it, because like I said, I really don't want to give anything away about that. I'm just going to say that it involves a plane and, and automobiles. That's it. But it's going to be... <laughs> It's gonna. You're, you're even gonna kind of laugh and be like, "Huh?" <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So a hybrid vehicular chase. We can. Yeah. We can get we on go. board with that. Um, okay. So Anthony, you probably know as well as we do that Emily and I spent so much time in this past season of our show analyzing National Treasures. I was gonna say many mm-hmm. characters, but it's really not that many. It's just. A few Just main a few. ones. Um, right. <laughs> so, as a fan of these movies yourself, we wanted to get your take on some of these characters as well. So, uh, one of the first things we want to do is a mini character analysis with you. Um, mm-hmm. So, we're going to, you know, throw some characters out there and maybe you can tell us the first word um, that really comes to mind when you think of these characters. And you can elaborate as much as you want, or we'll ask some follow up questions. Pretty casual. Does that sound okay? Yeah, it works for me. Okay, well, I'm going to throw a bone to Emily on this one and say, uh, Anthony, how would you describe Riley Poole? Oh, man, Riley, I, that was one I kind of struggled with. But uh, one word that I kind of came up with on him was enthusiastic. It really wasn't the word I was trying to search for. But the reason I went that way with him was because, uh, especially in the second movie, when it's revealed that he wrote a book during the, you know, the time between the two storylines, and how much he's, I guess, kind of like so much to me interested in the, in the history behind things. And then of course, he has that moment with Nick Cage and uh, Abigail, <clears throat> excuse me, regarding the, uh, the daylight savings time when he actually knew something they didn't. So to me, I kind of felt like he's always interested in history to a point that he likes to kind of uh, like investigate things on his own to come up with, you know, different theories and stuff. And of course, that's what his book was about. So that's the thing that kind of stuck out with me about him was uh, kind of being enthusiastic, I guess, to a point about when it comes to like uh, historical topics, you know. That's that's great. I love the fact that you pointed out that he's enthusiastic about 
the historical topics because I think something that Aubrey and I covered in our episode where we talked about Riley was that he didn't seem particularly enthusiastic about the treasure hunting part of things. And I think we overlooked the fact that he actually does have this enthusiasm for the history in seeing that. So I love that you pointed that out. Yeah. I kind of thought about, think about that too. uh, What do you call it? Cause as I'm watching the movies, he's like really one, you don't see reactions too much of as they're progressing towards finding the treasure and of course when they get to the treasure room and what i think what is in the first one when he's crying and crying because he sees the staircase (laughs) never mind this incredibly humongous room full of all this history you know and he's just thinking of just getting out of there so yeah that kind of made me think about that but then i was thinking but no he still has some interest to a point it's just i guess you could say maybe on the literary end of just like Mm -hmm. kind of investigating the things and then you know telling people about it rather than actually going out and looking for these, you know, hidden items and stuff. So that's how I kind of viewed it too, in a way. <laughs> okay. Well, that was awesome analysis. So it's making me want to ask about the total opposite of Riley, which is Ben. Mm-hmm. Ben, him, I actually was like coming up with a lot of different uh, words for him, but the one that really, I think was probably the best one I could think of was knowledgeable. And I actually got that from, I believe it was probably the character analysis episode y'all did because of the fact where I believe it was Aubrey that pointed out where even though he doesn't have like these college degrees, uh, you know, backing him up, like to sail a character like Abigail, he knows like so much that things that even for myself, when it comes to history that I really enjoy reading or hearing about, I would never even have thought to even learn about or, you know, thought to have any, some like that would have even existed out there. So to me, for him, it would be knowledgeable just because of his like deep knowledge of history that he seems to have in both movies, you know, because it seems like every time a little thing comes up, he's got all these different historical backgrounds that tie into it. And it's just it's really amazing to, to hear. Yeah. And if, if I do say so, Nick Cage plays it really well. <laughs> he does. <laughs> there is no two ways about that. I honestly couldn't even see anybody else playing that role, to be honest with you, you know? It was the hardest character reassignment that we did in that episode back in season one. Because, you know, we were going to have to put forward some name, you Mm -hmm. know, for the name of the game on that episode. But we kind of agreed, this is just nonsense. We don't actually envision it as anyone else. Um, Okay, let's do one more. Let's get a villain into the mix. How would Uh you describe Ian? Ian, I would say greedy, because to me, at least from my perspective on watching that movie, it seems like that's all he was concerned with was finding the treasure. The minute they were on the Charlotte on that ship and Nick Cage was was willing to actually just draw the line about even trying to obtain the Declaration of Independence, Ian was wanting to keep taking it a step further. It seemed like he just kind of kept egging on, say, well, you know, why don't we try? Why don't we do this here? Why don't we do that? And finally, it just got to the point where, you know, the his henchmen are holding everybody at gunpoint because now he's basically telling them, well, you know, I can just go ahead and just be rid of you and just go look for it myself. So that's to me, it seemed like that's all he was interested in was just getting a hold of the treasure and by any means necessary, it seemed like. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just the pure, like as a, as a motive of a villain, mm-hmm. pure greed, just oh, wants yeah. the money. 
um <laughs> it's almost it's almost like not creative to some extent right? you know <laughs> exactly because <laughs> you see that so many times in the sort of like bad guy good guy type you know whether if it's a treasure hunt movie you know like national treasure or even like the indiana jones series so yeah it's it seems to be like a, like a common uh, like a common theme between the, the between the two sides Absolutely. Okay, so I just briefly mentioned how Emily and I tried recasting National Treasure very theoretically, not because we wanted mm -hmm. to, just as a fun exercise a little while back. And um, we want to put you to the test as well and ask if you had to recast one character, a main character, or a secondary character in these films, who would it be and what actor would you choose? No question about this one, Agent Sandusky. I would easily recast him. Now, I will say I, I like how, uh, Harvey Keitel. There's been plenty of movies I've seen him in that kind of play the same kind of detective type role. But I don't know if it was just so much him and his style of acting or the writing that just didn't sit well for me for the film. But for me, I think I would probably uh, recast him with Joe Mantegna. I know that he's been on Criminal Minds. I believe he was their, uh, the team's like lead, lead boss or whatever, whatever they call him over there. But I think he would be good, uh, a good fit for that role because of just his uh, style of acting. And he, he's kind of quick with what, like one-liners and everything. Mm. And I think, you know, given a Disney film and even it's a family movie, I think he could still fit in there. And with his one-liners because of the way Nick Cage is and of course with Riley and interacting with the cast in general, for chemistry wise, I think he'd be a real good fit for that one. But I think I would like him better than Harvey because that was just, I don't know. <laughs> I just did not care for that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, you know how I feel about, about Agent Sadesky. And I, I do have to say that it makes me feel so much better that you specifically took the time to say that you do enjoy Harvey as an actor. Because uh -huh. a lot of, I feel like our judgment of the character, a lot of times I feel like is like improperly placed on the actor himself. And yeah, so it's nice true. to know that he is a good actor and can like is good in other roles. And maybe this role was just for some reason, like not the best one. Yeah, I, that's how I think so too. Because at least for me, he didn't really interact enough in the movie. You know, and for the few times that he does pop up in both films, I don't know, it just it just wasn't working for me. And it's funny because I'm not really very picky when it comes to uh, actors that were cast or actresses for different roles of films. Usually I'm good with what they put on, but this was like one of the few times that I really just was thinking they could have done better. They could have done a little bit better than him. That's <laughs> and really... I felt bad for thinking that, but you know, that's just how it kind of felt for me. <laughs> I feel like that's a, a super valid opinion. I mean, I'll admit, I don't think I've seen Harvey Keitel in anything else. Um, uh, so I, I would be really interested to see how my opinion of him would be colored if I watched another one of his movies, <laughs> but that'll be I, another, I, another story for another day, I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So the last character question we want to ask you uh, is mm -hmm. really a reflection on the fact that I think Emily and I learned perhaps unexpectedly on air on our show that they, that we relate to, some of these characters like a lot um and that was a, a fun realization a slightly unexpected realization so <laughs> we want to ask you um first 
which character in the films do you feel like you relate to the most? And then I'll ask a follow-up question on that as well. Well, for that one, easily for me, it's Riley. Of pretty much all the characters in the film, Riley's the only one that I really kind of, uh, you know, identify with. And a lot of that is just personality-wise. When I'm, in, let's say, in the same, maybe same situation as Riley's put in with other people for like a group setting, you know, doing whatever it is, if you're doing a task, or in this case, like with him, you know, trying to get somewhere to find, you know, clues for treasures and things like that. But what kind of makes me feel so similar to him is that I'm pretty much the same type of person. I'm good for a lot of things to kind of help people get to where they need to go. But put me in the position of like, let's say Ben, that needs to be knowledgeable for what it is that you're looking for. Not so much. I can be to a point but I would still need somebody who's, you know, that next level of sort of like, a, a, what do you call it, a just, you know, intelligence background, sort of speak, to be able to fall on. Because, you know, I can only take you to, to a certain point after that. Yeah, I'm going to kind of need some help here. And usually sometimes uh, feeling like a little bit of the outcast. I've been through, I've been through a lot of that in my life. So I identify with Riley like a ton when it comes to watching those movies, because whenever I see him, even now watching them for like the 50th or 100th time, I'm like, that is so me right there. <laughs> so, I feel yeah, that so strongly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about then. So yeah, he, yeah. he's definitely the one I identify with the most. <laughs> Aw, I love, I love that. That's, um, I, there's nothing better than a really relatable character in like your favorite movie or TV show, you know? It's so comforting. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> Would you say then that you would also most like to be friends with Riley in real life? Or is there another character that you'd want to like go hang out with? Well, there's kind of like, it's sort of, I guess the way to put it is like a two-prong answer for me. So yeah, identity-wise, because obviously I know I would get along with somebody like that the easiest or the most. So to be friends with Riley. But I'm also thinking in terms of, I like being around people that I can learn stuff from. You know, whether if it's just general historical, you know, trivia type stuff or things that I really need to know, like, let's say even uh, professional wise, like on the job. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind for myself, I'm thinking more in terms of Ben that I would love to be friends with, because I know with someone like him learning things would just be like a never ending treat for me, you know, because I know that there would be a lot of things I could learn about that I just never even knew you know, were, you know, were out there or even existed and things like that. So that's kind of like a two-sided, you know, answer for me, depending on the situation or whatever. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I love that answer. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Anthony, we would be remiss if we did not end on the speed round of questions that we like to ask every single guest that we have on our show. So these are the same questions that we asked Charles and Oren, and you're going to get to answer them as well. So I'm going to go through these questions kind of rapid fire, and you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. And if you want to elaborate, feel free. Does that sound okay? Sure. It sounds good. Okay, Anthony. First, what is your favorite national treasure clue? The uh, president's uh, the president's book in the second one, mainly because I'm since I'm also a huge bookworm, I love to read. So I enjoy going to libraries. And one place I definitely want to go so bad and visit at least once is the Library of Congress. So seeing that, you know, was so cool for Ben to have to go over there and actually hunt down this book in this, you know, ginormous library. And then just the way that he had to find it in that little secret compartment on the shelf. You know, I think what was on one of the elevated floors I thought was like really cool. So I think that one always sticks out as my favorite. Love it. 
Amazing. <laughs> okay, next. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in one's refrigerator? Seven. And that one, I'll elaborate a little bit on it, not to like throw religion into it or anything, but kind of what, uh, even when Emily mentioned her beliefs in that, uh, I think it was the last episode talking about the, what do you call it, the, uh, the ethics uh, thing with, uh, with Ben and all that. For me, I don't know, seven has just always kind of been like sort of a perfect number in my mind because of the fact that it's talked about so much, I believe in the Old Testament, where God always talks about that seven is like the, you know, the perfect number. Mm -hmm. And I know he gives reasons I just can't recall off the top of my head right now. But, you know, it's something that's always that's always mentioned as the perfect number to him. So for whatever reason, that one's always stuck with me, not to say that I've got seven of everything in my home. But whenever I do, you know, get things like that, whether if it's uh, some type of uh, edible item or something small like that, I always seem to just kind of do and do it in sevens without realizing it sometimes. But I think that would probably be it, in my opinion. Wow, that's so cool. So cool. Okay, Anthony, to go from something more serious to something very not serious, what is one word that you would use to describe Agent Sadesky? Boring. Oh, yes. I just, I can, I cannot with that character. I mean, he's got a couple of funny moments. The one uh, line that I do like that he throws out is when he shows up, I believe at the, uh, at, at the gala at the uh, archives, national archives. And the, one of the men in there is telling him, well, you know, uh, what happened with the declaration of independence is because we were given a tip and, you know, Sandusky's like, well, you know, who gave the tip? And he's like, well, we didn't really take it seriously. So we didn't take the name of the person. And he goes, well, how about now? That moment, I busted out laughing, you know, but other than that, yeah, I could have, uh, could have done without him. <laughs> okay, number one, I love that you said boring. And number two, when he says that line, uh-huh. I'm just like, rude, condescending, <laughs> like all of the these- The Declaration of Independence just got stolen. Well, how about now? That's like being like, I told you so. And it's funny for me, I just took it as literally like a, like a comedic, sarcastic moment because <laughs> that's kind of my sense of humor. I can tend to be sarcastic in times like that. So I'm thinking, you know what? That's how I would have answered. <laughs> well, it's good to know if we are in a crisis situation where the Declaration of Independence gets stolen, Anthony, at least we know what you're going to say. Yeah, pretty true. much. You know. Very true. <laughs> yes. I'll be that one person like, really? You didn't see this coming after all these other people, you know, said it's going to be stolen. They're waving the flags and still you didn't take it. And I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what to tell you now. <laughs> truer words, truer words have never been spoken. Um, okay. Anthony, what is one location at which you would like to see National Treasure 3 film? You know, I've heard you ask that question, and for the longest time with episodes that it's come up on, I always had a difficult idea, because every time I would think of some place, and I'd watch the movie, I'd be like, well, they just shot it there, so that's out the, you know, that's out the window. Finally, it came to me about a couple, I think uh, one of the last times I think I watched the first one, and I always thought the U.S. Uh, the US Congress, I think, would be so cool, because in a way, especially like when, the, when they needed to go find the president's book and the president had told Ben that it's in the Library of Congress, you know, where else where he would keep a book. So I'm thinking, okay, if they ever do any other National Treasure movie in the future and they need to find, let's say, some type of certain document or something of that type of historical value, what other place could you go to where bills are voted on, which is in the U.S. Congress? You know, maybe somehow they could uh, find a way to maybe have something hidden there or something there that leads them to a, 
to like a significant you know place of where they need to go to find what it is that they're looking for. So I think that would be kind of cool if they could somehow kind of incorporate that one into a storyline. I love that. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. Um, okay, and it's the last one. It is the, uh-huh. the rude question, and I'm gonna make you choose. If you had to pick National Treasure or Book of Secrets? I love both movies, but I, without a doubt, the first National Treasure, I think, because it's the, it's the original one, and I've just, you know, it's the one I do watch the most of the two, but like I said, I love them both equally, but if when it does, to, uh, does come down to it, it's always the first one, no doubt. Oh, love it. Anthony, we're so, so thrilled that you took some time to chat with us today. We had so much fun with this conversation. You are clearly an amazing National Treasure fan. And um, we're honestly just thrilled to have you as a listener. So thanks for everything. Uh, Thank you so much. I mean, it's an honor just to even have been included in this. So it really means a lot to me. I'm so glad. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Our pleasure. All right, we have another National Treasure Hunter with us on the line. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you here. So if you wouldn't mind starting us off by telling us your name, where you're from, and what you do. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Stephanie. I'm from Los Angeles, California, but right now I'm in college in Dallas, Texas, and um, I'm a senior studying elementary education. And hopefully I can be a social studies teacher. I can talk about national treasure to my kids. Oh my gosh. We (laughs) had no idea. Oh, wow. That's (laughs) that's amazing. Oh, we have, I might just throw in some random questions here about that, but that's super fun. Um, Well, what I will do first is ask you a very basic question. So what is your first memory of national treasure and why do you enjoy these movies? Well, I don't really know when I first saw the movie, but I remember in middle school, I was just going through, because um, we have a bunch of DVDs in our house, and um, I was just going through, and I saw National Treasure, and I was like, okay, I like Nicolas Cage. So I watched the first one, and I watched the second one, and I didn't really think too much of it. And then sometime in middle school, I don't know why, I just had the urge to keep watching it, and I just fell in love with it. And when I got to college, I was like, this is like, these are my favorite movies. I just kept watching them and I was so glad that I found a podcast that (laughs) people are so dedicated to it as well so that was really cool oh we love to hear that but we so agree with you something about these movies are so rewatchable yeah you discover something new like every time you watch it yeah true I know I mean Emily rediscovers things all the time (laughs) that's true I don't know if you picked up on that when listening to our show. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's so cool. And as someone who wants to be a social studies teacher, mm-hmm. do you see films like National Treasure that are very much, you know, pop and fun? Do you see them as being teaching tools that you think would resonate with students of today? I definitely think so, because I feel like there's a lot of aspects of especially like history that maybe students don't, they're not so interested in, like maybe they don't love know learning about Lincoln but they watch National Treasure too and they're like oh this is super interesting look at all these clues Mm -hmm. and there's maybe it's not like 100% historically accurate but you can still learn from them and get them interested in history. Totally I feel like it can really be used and I'm not an educator by any means but (laughs) my very biased opinion um, it can be used as a jumping off point in a way you know you 
hook them in with some tidbit or something that they found interesting. And I don't know, I know that, um, you know, hands-on experiential learning is something that's really um, prioritized by a lot of teachers and school districts these days. And I don't know, using a movie as a platform for exploring what is true, what is false, how can different interpretations of history be made? I feel like I would really enjoy that. Yeah. And it's not just um, social studies can tie in. I was thinking about it earlier today. I mean, you can tie in like definitely like some English language, um, Mm -hmm. you know, writing your own um, clues, um, math. You could do some science. I know you guys had that whole episode about science experiments. You could do that with elementary. There's a whole lot of things. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, we're just so excited to hear that someone is coming up through the system who's going to be an educator who (laughs) feels this way. That is so cool. Okay, well, since you do listen to our show, you probably know that we've spent a lot of this last season really on deep dives into these characters. Um, And so we thought it'd be fun, especially, I mean, gosh, now knowing that you're an educator yourself, um, maybe you can deep dive into the characters with us a little bit. We'd love to hear your perspectives here. So we want to do a mini segment here, our own mini character analysis. So um, we'll throw out some random characters for you. And maybe you could tell us the first word or the first adjective that comes to mind when you think of them. And maybe we can, you know, go into more detail. So the first person I think we'll go with is Abigail Chase. Um, I was going to say headstrong. I feel like she's very determined. I feel like headstrong is like a stronger word, though. Mm. I like that. I like like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Do you, so now I'm just going to be asking you tons of questions about being a teacher now, but (laughs) do you think that, um, you know, young, young girls or, or women students would relate to her in a positive way? I definitely think so. And I think she's a really good, um, you know, positive female role model, especially seeing someone who works in history and, um, you know, she's Dr. Abigail Chase. So I feel like, you know, a lot of girls, especially myself, I'm like, that's so inspiring. Like you can, and both of you are doctors. So (laughs) that's also very cool. I feel like that's just very inspiring for young girls. I love that. Okay. Well, going from one doctor in these films to another, have you thought at all about Emily Gates, Ben's mom? That's hard. I was going to say like dedicated because she's really dedicated to her family and her work, but I feel like she's really hard to fit into just like one adjective. Mm -hmm. So I was struggling with that. We thought it was really interesting that the two people who very clearly have a doctorate in these films are like the two women, kind of the only two women, which, which we certainly love, but there was, Mm -hmm. I've always wondered, and I wonder if you have any thoughts on this, even Emily, if you do, since I don't think we've talked about this before. um, The fact that the two women, the two doctors they're both very, I don't want to say uptight, mm-hmm. but formal and, yeah. you know, they have that headstrong yeah. right. thing yeah, about them. We think like compared to Riley, who's like the comic relief um, and, you know, Agent Sadusky, which we can get into later, but <laughs> um, they're just like, kind of like, I don't want to say bumbling, but like, you know, compared to the two leading ladies, they're just very, there's this, you know, there's definitely a contrast. So that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely less articulate yeah. than, than the women yeah. are. Yeah. Which I mean, we don't mind, but 
Yeah. <laughs> Great for we, all of us. We don't mind at all. I would say, though, that maybe if we could see a character development of someone like Abigail in National Treasure 3, mm-hmm. I would love to see that she can be both really intelligent mm-hmm. and, like, I don't know, more down to earth. Yeah. A couple of humorous lines here and there. I don't know. Get, yeah. Make her more than one dimensional. Yeah, we really haven't seen that. So I, I would agree. I, we're, well, we're clearly on the same page. Um, okay. What about Mitch Wilkinson from National Treasure 2? Um, I'm going to say just because he's like willing to do whatever it takes, I'm going to say dedicated, which is like kind of broad, but I think so. I find that really interesting. It's a good thing. I find that interesting because yeah. we've, um, in some of our other conversations, we've also had other people to describe the villains as dedicated and determined yeah um so I think that's really interesting that just across totally separate conversations people are getting the same vibe I don't Mm -hmm. know Emily what would I don't know if we've done the we didn't do the adjective analysis on the villains but like what would you say for one word for Mitch I'm putting you on the spot (laughs) you really are um I mean, I feel like I'm going to steal Stephanie's thunder, but I mean, I feel like I would also say like dedicated or like committed, something like that. And I think, you know, it's it's really interesting because Stephanie, I not to uh, assume anything about you, but um, given that you want to be a teacher and stuff, something tells me that you you don't necessarily agree with Mitch Wilkinson, the way he goes about doing his uh, his deeds Vill- as villainy <laughs> yeah i don't agree with his stance and his um you know the way he handles the situation but you can definitely say he is dedicated to his craft exactly <laughs> and i think that that's something that's really cool that we're finding about mm-hmm. the villains across like you were saying aubrey all of these conversations is that well, you know we might not agree with what the villains are doing necessarily but we can see the motive behind it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, going a little off script here, Stephanie, since you like uh-huh. these movies so much, how do you feel about Mitch as a villain compared to Ian in the first movie? I like, maybe it's controversial, I don't know, I like Mitch better than Ian. Um, I don't know, I just feel like he has more of a, I feel like Ian is just kind of like evil to be evil, like he's just like, you know, kind of grumpy because, oh, you know, Ben stole my thunder. <laughs> and now you just have Mitch who, I don't know, I feel like he's, he has more of a basis for why he's angry. He's trying to protect his families too. That's super interesting. That's a perspective I hadn't really thought of before, but you're, you're right. You know, we characterize Ian on our show um, as someone who's like classic villain in it for the money. Mm-hmm. And we, we like to criticize Mitch's motive as sounding kind of weak, kind of mm-hmm. the way he puts it, especially yeah. at the end of the movie, but it is deeper, right? It's, it's a non-traditional motive, right. um, which does add something different mm-hmm. to, the, to the movie. Okay. Very interesting. So let's move on here. You know that we have had this conversation between the two of us back in season one of our show. And it was a lot of fun. It was also slightly stressful. The conversation of if you had to recast this film, like what would that look like? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to ask you if you had to recast one character, it could be a main character or a secondary character, who would it be and what actor would you choose? 
Okay, so I'm gonna have to say Agent Sadusky. And I don't know if either of you have watched Loki on Disney Plus. I have. um, You have? Okay. So I think Owen Wilson would be great as like another agent. So it's like the same role, just like transferred to National Treasure. I could see that completely. Yeah, that's great. And I think I, wow, that's awesome. I think (laughs) it would, it would probably give the character like a more fair shot. Mm -hmm. Almost. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like kind of, you know, likable and like, you know, maybe I don't agree with you, but I like you. You're funny. Yeah. And especially since Sadusky's lines come off comedic, even though they're like not supposed to be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that's just my interpretation. I I really like Owen Wilson. That would totally, how -hmm. would that, how would that impact my perception of Agent Sadusky? I know. I was rewatching National Treasure today and I kept picturing it. I was like, let me see if my... My answer is a good option. I think it is. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I mean, honestly. I agree. I, I agree as well. I mean, anything is better than the current Agent Sadesky, right? Right. Or maybe that's just me. Okay, actually, how do you feel about Agent Sadesky? Um, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he's really frazzled. I feel like he's always like one step behind Ben and everyone else. So he's just always like, oh, they're doing this. Let me catch up. Yes, he's bad at his job. Really bad at his job. (laughs) Oh my gosh! You know what's funny is sometimes when we talk to people who you know work at the National Archives or Mm -hmm. different places like that, sometimes they'll be like, "Yeah, we uh, we don't want people to come here thinking they can try to steal the Declaration of Independence." And if I was being sassy, my response would be the only reason they would think they could do that is because agent Sadusky is so bad at his job. Exactly. He makes it look easy. Right. Oh my gosh. We are so <laughs> on the same page. <laughs> Emily, Emily's over here. Like what, why? <laughs> well, I'm just glad that you've never said that to anyone. <laughs> I keep my poise when we're talking to people who have very kindly dedicated themselves to the finale of any one of our seasons. Um, But anyway, I digress. So we have one more question for you about the characters themselves. And you might have recognized while listening to season three that Emily and I, when we were diving into these characters, we were kind of surprised how much we were relating to some of them. And uh, we were figuring it out actually on the podcast a lot of the time, which was fun for everyone. We were wondering... um, which character in these movies you feel like you most relate to? And then I'll ask a follow-up question after that. So I feel like, Emily, you're going to be really happy. My favorite character is also Riley. So I feel like I relate to him the most just because I try to, this sounds really like pretentious, but I try to be funny, Um, like in my friend group. So I feel like Riley's a comic relief. So he just makes like the lighthearted situations. I like that. Emily dancer beautiful (laughs) beautiful I love it so much so would it be fair to say that you would also most like to be friends with him or is there another character that you would like to you know get dinner with I feel like I definitely want to be friends with him the most um I could see myself you know maybe being casual friends of like Abigail but um like we said she's kind of one-dimensional so like I don't know if she'd be too you know um stuffy I don't know that's a word I'd go for but 
I think that's mm-hmm. fair. I mean, she's the one that you want to meet and have a good relationship with so that right. you can have her come give a guest lecture to your class. Right, right. She's a good mentor. Yes. <laughs> that That is exactly right. We've. I don't think we've ever come to that conclusion before, but you're right on the money. <laughs> um, okay. So we like to end all of these conversations with what we call our speed round. Mm -hmm. So Stephanie, what we're going to do is go through a couple of quick questions for you. Um, and just give us the first thing that pops into your head and you can elaborate if you want, but you don't have to. Okay. Okay. So what is your favorite national treasure clue? Um, the French statue of Liberty. And I just love the fact that they went all the way to France just for Riley to use that drone. (laughs) yes and then he got a ticket for it so it was like was it worth it Mm. probably not yeah (laughs) so right we we think it's people forget that they were in France in that movie because they were there for 30 seconds exactly I love that that's your favorite clue okay what is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator I think six it's a good even number okay okay if you had to pick one word to describe the disaster that is Agent Sadusky, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to say frazzled. Good one. Okay. I like that one. What is one location that you would like to see National Treasure 3 film at? Um, so I visited Italy in high school, which is a while ago, but um, and I went to the Vatican City. And I don't know how you know plausible it is for them to film there like logistically, but I just think it'd be so cool if they filmed in like St. Peter's Basilica or something. I could totally see them going some kind of route with that and getting like Da Vinci Code, but not Da Vinci Code Mm -hmm. like into it. I would dig that so much. There's so much history there. That would seem actually kind of doable though too, because you could at least get your B-roll shots from the outside and then build a set, right? Back Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Right. Oh, ooh, I like this. I like this. We're going to have to send this episode over to Charles, Emily. <laughs> okay. Our last speed round question for you. It's the mean question. You have to pick National Treasure or Book of Secrets. Uh, this is really hard, but I'm going to say Book of Secrets just because I love that they filmed internationally. I love all the locations. I think the clues are, well, I don't know. I just really like those clues as well kind of more interesting awesome nice stephanie it was so fun chatting with you here today thank you so much for listening and for joining us here um we wish you the best of luck with the rest of your studies you're going to make an awesome social studies teacher definitely thank you very much so we have our next National Treasure Hunter on the line. Welcome to the show. Can you start by telling us what is your name, where are you from, and what do you do? Uh, my name is Zach. I live up in the quaint little state of New Hampshire, up in New England. Um, I help out with podcasts. Uh, it's not my main job. My main job is actually in radio. So I talk and play music during the day and program a classic rock and a light AC station. That's super cool. I'm guessing I'm not going to be the first person to tell you that you have a radio voice. <laughs> you are not the first person to say that. It, the radio voice, the radio face, all that goes goes together. It's all part of the same package. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, okay. 
my my first question is off script then because if you're from new hampshire Mm -hmm. i'm not the best at geography but i do happen to know that that is near massachusetts which is very national treasure-esque it is yes so uh so have you done the whole freedom trail in boston and all that fun stuff I have not done the whole Freedom Trail. I do go down to Boston every once in a while. I only live maybe an hour, hour and 15 minutes away, depending on traffic. Boston is a great place to go and visit. It's a pain in the butt to get around because Mm -hmm. of just how the roads and everything are. But it's a great place to go and visit. I've done sections of the Freedom Trail while just walking around and being in the Boston area. And there's so much history there. It's It's a lot of fun to go and visit. And if anybody has an opportunity go in and enjoy Boston. Prepare to get frustrated trying to get anywhere, but, <laughs> uh, but we do have a tea, uh, a tea as a subway. It doesn't operate 24-7 like New York, but it's there and it's the best way to get around. Gotcha. I've spent a little bit of time in Boston in the past year or so. My boyfriend lives up there. Um, He's working at Harvard. And so I've definitely had some time to dabble in the historical sites. Mm-hmm. Every time I go, I think I annoy him because we're taking lots of national treasure related pictures for the gram, you know, mm-hmm. um, but yes, I've definitely experienced that difficulty in traveling, parking, all of that. Um, so the one thing that Emily and I have discussed, we really need to do together is go to Boston to visit Old North Church because of literally the last scene in national treasure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have not been there. I would love to, I would love to do that, but usually when I'm going into Boston, it hasn't been recently uh, due to everything in the world, but typically if we go to Boston, it's for a concert or an event or something. So you're getting, you're getting into the outskirts of Boston, you're parking, you're jumping on the T and you're riding into the garden or the garden, depending on where you're from. <laughs> and then you're, you're getting, back out of there because uh, you don't you don't want to stay there any longer you've gone in you've done your business and you're out that makes perfect sense we'll we'll put old north church on your list of things to do in boston it as well definitely is and and speaking of national treasure it's why we're here today and mm-hmm. so we'd love to just get to know your relationship with this franchise a little bit so you know what is your first memory of national treasure and what do you enjoy about these movies oh uh, boy i would say I remember seeing it in theaters um, and I remember being interested in it. Uh, Nicolas Cage catches a lot of flack uh, for who he is and the actor that he is. And some of his movies are incredible. Like I really like National Treasure. I really like The Rock. I really like Face Off. There's a lot of Nicolas Cage movies where you can see he's a great actor, but it's mm-hmm. more than just that with National Treasure. Um, Freemasonry has been very strong in my family for a number of generations. So when I had heard about kind of what the movie was, I'm, I know it's a Hollywood version, but I was definitely interested to see where they were going to go with it and how much it would play a part in it. And I always like a good suspense history movie. There's a little bit of action here and there. I mean, Sean Bean is there to be Sean Bean, but you yes. know he, he's not the he, he survived the movie i'm impressed but mm-hmm. but uh really the the suspense and mystery and history aspect of the movie i really enjoyed yeah i mean we obviously completely agree with you would you consider <laughs> yep. yourself a nicholas cage fan i would say for the most part i am a i would be a fan of nicholas cage from most of his movies while there's other movies i don't think are the best I will still watch them and enjoy them for what they are. 
but I may not be recommending everyone run out and see Ghost Rider 1 and 2 because they're <laughs> not that good. Okay, and my last Nick Cage question before we move on. On a scale, a grade scale from A to F, what is his radio voice to you as a radio expert yourself? Oh, uh, well, I first of all, I'm not an expert. Uh, but Nicolas Cage... Uh, it all depends. If he's just being himself and he's not playing up the the nervous, talky when he's really getting going, the ha 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 ha. I don't know if that translates well, <laughs> but I would say he's a good eight. You know, if he's playing a character, he could drop down to like a six or a five. Mm. But really, radio is about personality and less about the voice. That's mm. really what radio is now. Back in the day, it was all about how you talked and how you pronunciated. <laughs> Not anymore. It, you really, you just want to be a person because majority of radio is you're just a voice on the other side of the radio. Yeah. And mm. I'm just in a room by myself with a microphone, but there's people listening all over the state and New England and streaming. And I'm a part of their daily life. And it's weird. I... <laughs> I am not used to that. People will come up to me and say things to me that I talked about. And I have to wonder, did I tell them or did, did I, did I say this on the radio? <laughs> did I hear it? <laughs> How do you know this? Uh, and it's, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling. Um, but Nicholas Cage, I think could be a good host of a, of a radio, radio program. If he's just being him. Okay. Well, maybe we would need a duo of like a Ben Gates and a Riley Poole for that banter, you know? <laughs> they, you know, Riley is such a interesting, nerdy character. And I know one of the questions that you'll ask is who I kind of see myself connecting with more. And it probably would be Riley because I was always very, I was very awkward growing up. Um, and I'm not like Riley level genius and understanding, um, but I think he and I would be able to get along and would, uh, his love of history, I would certainly be fascinated by. I wouldn't be able to keep up with the amount of knowledge, but I would be, I would be interesting just to talk with his character. Totally. And, and so we'll, we'll just jump ahead now because I like the train that we're on here. Um, <laughs> you relate to Riley. Would mm -hmm. you also say that you would want to be his friend or is there someone else in this movie that you'd like to, you know, get a beer with? Uh, I mean, Riley probably would be because we're sticking to National Treasure One. Yeah, let's, we could do either. Oh, God, I would love to. I, I would love to go with. Um, oh, what was her name? Helen, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren's oh, yeah, character? Professor Helen Mirren, as yeah. we like to call her. <laughs> she, she, she is a, God, she is so talented and amazing actress, and she would intimidate the hell out of me, but oh, mm -hmm. God, that would be a lot of fun. That's a really good answer. We I haven't like gotten that, that one yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm doing good answers. This is great. You really are. Um, and so let's let's stick with this idea of, of examining these characters. Okay. Because we've obviously spent a lot of time in the past season of our podcast doing just that, really getting into my perception of the characters, Emily's perception of the characters, and where they converge or diverge. So if I were to ask you to describe certain characters in like one word, first thing that comes to your mind, let's play that game. How would you describe Abigail? Uh, 
uh, no, that's not the right word. Uh, I mean, brilliant would be the first one, but that wasn't the word I was trying to think of, but brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so we've had conversations with some other folks about this idea of Abigail being clearly very intelligent, but also mm -hmm. coming across in maybe an edgier way personality wise. And we've had debates about whether or not we like that, um, especially since she's like the token female character in this franchise. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think with certain interactions with her and say Nicolas Cage's character, mm -hmm. um, they are both, I think, on point with their intelligence, but I think each of them edges ahead of each other in different areas because of their just expertise and their knowledge. And I think Abigail in some cases between the two of them would wear the pants more, if that makes any sense. I think she could be a more take charge individual than Benjamin is. I, I just see that with her character a little bit more because of that, I think edginess that you're, that you're referencing. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know about you, Em. Yeah, no, I, completely. I, I like that analysis too, because I think a lot of the times we think of that edginess as being kind of a, uh, like you were saying, an, a negative thing, Aubrey, but Zach, I like the way that you kind of took it and made it a, a, a positive I spin on it. Yeah, I don't see edginess necessarily as a negative. I, I think it depends on the situation and with... um with Abigail's character, I don't see that as an edgy edginess. I think that is a, it's the other side of the spectrum from where Benjamin is. And I think they complement each other well that way, even yeah. though storyline wise, they may not, but I think in the whole grand scheme, they do. Okay. So that's a pretty good dive into Abigail. We've already heard <laughs> your thoughts on the other token female character in this franchise, which is Helen mm -hmm. Mirren's character. Um, how about Patrick, Patrick Gates, Ben's dad? Uh, John Voight. I'm not his biggest fan. I don't dislike him as an actor. I think this character that he played, I think he did a good job. I think he played the part of the devoted historian dad that was focused too much on just how much he was delving into history and the mystery and not so much into his family. I think he did a good job with that. I didn't hate the character, but I went, all right, there's more to him, but he wasn't, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. I didn't like him, but I didn't dislike him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to wrap that up. That's fair. Um, and, you know, some ways, I guess you could think of him as a family man. And yeah. in another way, you can kind of think of our villain, Mitch Wilkinson, as a family man being so motivated by his family ancestry. Um, what do you what do you think of Mitch? Okay, that was Ed Harris. I'm going back now. It's been forever. I watched between the two movies. I've seen National Treasure so many more times in Book of Secrets. Mm -hmm. And I prefer the first one more than the second one. The second one I did enjoy and it expanded upon the first one. But I forget exactly what it is. Maybe it's the end. Ed Harris's arc when he I don't dislike his character change it just happened really weird abruptly yeah and <laughs> it, it just it, it just happened too fast for me it didn't break the movie for me or anything like that just how his character was the entire movie and then here we are in this dire dire situation 
and maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just not grasping where they were going with it. And I'm not the smartest person. I could have completely missed the entire idea of it, but it was a little, it was a little abrupt to use your word. You're you, speaking to Aubrey. <laughs> you are, yeah. If people could see my face right now, you are striking such a, a nerve because okay. I completely agree. I, I've, I've made this argument so many times on our show because it infuriates me, the abrupt change. I mean, and also we, we also happen to know about scenes that were deleted from mm. the cut of the film. Even in that scene where he has this change of heart, some of those deleted scenes were, as Emily's pointed out before, him literally stabbing Patrick. So, like, it was very abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes editing, it takes out too much. And then we're left going, what? How? What? Makes no sense. We've also talked with people who are, who've been like, yeah, I mean, considering how quickly they were going to return to, like, the Cibola site with all the tools to begin the analysis and how big that cavern was there's no way he would have drowned like he could have climbed up and waited yeah but you know <laughs> we need suspense for the movie plot, <laughs> plot device plot device come yeah. on Aubrey. because yeah. plot as we like mm. to say okay <laughs> so so having considered all of these characters if you had to recast one character in this franchise, whether it be a main character or a secondary character, who would it be and what actor would you choose? Okay, this one I had to think, I didn't have to think long about who I wanted to replace and it's going to be John Voight. Again, he's just, I'm just not the biggest fan of him. I don't think he did a bad job, but for a seasoned actor to play a interesting father to Benjamin Gates I personally would have loved to see someone like Anthony Hopkins do that Ooh. I love Anthony Hopkins in everything that he has done he is he's an extraordinary actor who can play so many different sides of a person from the dark mm -hmm. sadistic silence of the lambs to brilliant creator in Westworld and everything in between um he's just a tremendous actor it doesn't matter what he's in i i would have i would have loved to see him as a historian and father to benjamin gates i like that a lot i got i got your approval perfect that's <laughs> so all I, I wanted you're getting a lot of approval here i'm really digging this conversation and i have one more ad-libbed question for you before we go on and end with our speed round okay um and that question actually calls back to some episodes that Emily and I did this past season where we were doing deep dive character analyses of Ben, Abigail, and Riley. And at the end of each episode, we tried to figure out, you know, if we could ask these actors that played these characters one question about this role, what would it be? And so since you are in radio, let's say you had the opportunity to interview Nick Cage or Diane Kruger or Justin Bartha about National Treasure on your show. What is one question that you'd really like to ask one of them? I, all right, so first, who am I, you want to know who I'm talking to? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay. I think we would love to all say, we would love to say all three, but if you had to mm -hmm. pick one. I, gosh, I guess, um, I guess Justin, Justin Bartha. I'd like to, I guess I'd love to chat with him. Um, and what his favorite, what his favorite location would be to 
visit historically, not just necessarily for the film, the film, but also in real life, because I would imagine being on a film in a series like this, for me, at least to spark my interest in other world worldly locations you know of all right man i've never been to stonehenge i'd love to go to stonehenge oh what about the mayan ruins i've never been there you got to go to these places some of them were you know in in, in the studio but where in the world would you like to really go to experience and take in the true history mm. and i'd love to hear where where they'd like to go where all three of them but um justin yeah where where justin would like to go nice that's a great question and i would absolutely be taking notes of their answers to try to insert into national treasure three yes and (laughs) speaking of that leads us to our customary speed round Uh, what we're gonna do is just throw some some little this or that or brief questions your way and we just kind of want to hear the first thing that comes to your mind to end this conversation are you ready i am ready Okay, Zach, what is your favorite national treasure clue? I want to go, and if I butcher the pronunciation, I apologize, the Meerschaum pipe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) That was a good one. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? For me personally, two, but if I know that the Declaration of Independence is potentially going to show up, I will have a good dozen. Just in case. Excellent. Better safe than sorry. I'd rather have, I'm going to be drinking water as it's happening to hydrate. So I need some for the glass, some for the declaration. Zach, what is one word you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Bumbling. Ooh. Yes. That's a, that's a new one and I like it. What is one location at which you would like to see National Treasure 3 film? Oh boy, I don't know how they would do it, but Atlantis. That could nice. be a treasure. I don't know how you would do it or what the tie-in would be, but come on, let's go to Atlantis. That'd be fun. Yeah, let's just do it. Why not? <laughs> and for the record, National Treasure or Book of Secrets? I got to go with the original National Treasure. I dislike it. You know, doesn't have that Ed Harris bluntness to it. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself, Zach. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on National Treasure Hunt. Oh, thank you for tolerating me. You girls have a great night. You too. too. So in this chat, we are so fortunate to have two for the price of one, really. We have two National Treasure Hunters joining us on the line right now. So... Both of you, if you wouldn't mind taking turns, telling us what is your name, where are you from, and what do you do? So I'll go first. My name is Jerome, and I am an educator teacher, so I teach elementary. And yeah, pretty much I just enjoy uh, movies of all fan base and different types. And actually, Brian- Hey, Jerome. What? Where are you from? (laughs) So, oh, wait, I am from the, <laughs> I'm from Tampa, Florida. Beautiful. So I'm Brian, the one that keeps Jerome in line. Uh, I am a middle school teacher and I am also from Florida. 
And I think that answers your question. <laughs> that was that was beautifully succinct. I love your vibe. So everyone listening in right now, um, you might have heard us talk to Jerome and Brian, I don't know, in the past couple of months on their podcast. You guys want to shout it out real quick while you're on? Yes, yeah. it is. Plus Delta. We had Aubrey and Emily. They were fantastic guests that was on our podcast uh, for Plus Delta. Please listen. And yes, Brian, do you want to add anything? Uh, sure. Just a quick shout out to our social media, Plus Delta Pod on Instagram and Twitter. So yeah, definitely follow us and definitely check out the episode with your National Treasure Hunter leads, if that's the proper terminology. Absolutely. And we're, we're so grateful that you had us on. We had so much fun with you. And so <laughs> the reason we even got connected is honestly, I think because of Brian mostly. Now, Brian, I know you're a, a legit National Treasure fan. Jerome, yes. you dabble, let's say. Yes. yes, I do. And actually, Brian was the one that introduced me, uh, well, reintroduced me into National Treasure because I thought I've never seen it. And then he's like, Oh, I'm going to play it for you. You haven't seen it? Let's do it. And I watched it and I was like, oh, I have seen this before, but it was su <laughs> such a long time ago. <laughs> he that, was so obsessed. That, I mean, for good reason. We have, <laughs> right. I mean, you're talking to the right people here. That really leads me into my first real question for both of you. I mean, Jerome, you kind of already hinted at this from your side, but Brian, what is your first memory of National Treasure and why do you like the movies so much? So... I was trying really hard to think about this and I don't know that I remember my first like time watching National Treasure but one of my most vivid memories is um my in-laws they my so my mother-in-law also loves National Treasure so we were having a conversation about it but my father-in-law hates Nicolas Cage just because he can't stand his voice so like we were just talking back and forth about national treasure and he just randomly walks in I'm Nicholas Cage and then that was it and he's like I cannot watch a movie with that man and then he walked off <laughs> I was like okay that's cool so it, it ended up being a whole other thing to where now we try to make him watch national treasure every time we get together nice. um but yeah that's probably my most vivid memory of national treasure that's amazing and did you kind of attached to it in in a weird way because of your educator background or was there some other reason that you liked it so much oh yeah that's another part of the question i guess um <laughs> here i am calling jerome that he doesn't answer the question properly neither do i um but no so i just love history in general uh prior to even becoming a teacher i've always loved history and just watching the movie even though i knew not everything was 100 percent accurate it was just fascinating to watch and seeing a movie that dedicated its time to historical events and what's it called items and all that. So yeah. Oh, artifacts. That's a proper word. <laughs> so yeah, it just made me love it almost immediately. And Jerome, as more of a dabbler, what do you like about the movie? I'm curious. So, <laughs> yes. Okay. So the first memory that I realized, oh, I've seen this, was when they, it was the first scene when they were in, in Antarctica and they were looking at a ship because of a shipwreck that happened. And then when they were blowing dynamite, I think that was uh, Sean Ben, that's the um, antagonist's name, am I correct? 
Sean Bean, um, yes, we yeah. love him. <laughs> yes, so Sean Bean. So <laughs> literally when the ship exploded, that's when I was like, oh, I have seen this. Because I remember as a child, like that scared my sister because since we thought it was a Disney movie, you know, Touchstone, even though they made adult movies back in the 90s for Disney, we thought that there wasn't going to be like any type of like uh, fighting or any type of explosion and everything. And she's a very like tame person. So when she saw that, like, she definitely was like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can watch this. I'm all like, and me as literally a 14 year old, I was all like, girl, it's Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. We comment all the time on how only one person can die in each of these national treasure movies, (laughs) which is true. Because it's Disney. So one person gets to die per film. Mm -hmm. Like that's standard practice. Absolutely. So as I'm, I'm assuming Brian knows. I don't know if you know this, Jerome. We spent um, a lot of season three of our podcast, which we just wrapped up, really analyzing the different characters in National Treasure, which became really interesting for us. And I think we learned a lot about the characters. We learned a lot about ourselves that we didn't necessarily anticipate. So we thought it would be fun to ask you both some questions about the characters as well, kind of in that spirit. So the first thing I want to do here is do a mini character analysis session with you guys and basically ask you the first word that comes to mind when you think of a few characters that we kind of throw at you at, at will. Um, and if your answers intrigue us, we might ask you to elaborate. Does that sound okay? Go for it. Yeah, okay. let's do it. So given what you've already mentioned about Nick Cage, Brian, the first one I'm going to throw out is, of course, Ben Gates. Oh, that's directed at me. Um, cocky. Yeah, you're Brian. Cocky. Cocky. Okay. Dang. I like it. I okay. like it. Jerome, did you do you have any thoughts? Since if there's one character, I'm assuming you know it's the main one. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it's Nicholas Cage. He I felt like he was determined. Um, mm. because I felt like that he really wanted to get down to pretty much like the secret of the national treasure and I commend him for it. Yeah. He was a bit delirious uh, at times and definitely um, was not a pushover, but yeah, I would say determined. Okay. I can already tell Jerome is on my side and Brian's Brian's on on mine. (laughs) (laughs) See, And and I mean, I do agree with what Jerome said. I'm not against that, but I just feel like the way that he treats his two other partners, like, he they don't know nearly as much as he does it's like okay dude calm down moving on let's go let's go to a more of a niche character how about how about ben's dad patrick i don't know if this is the right word that i'm looking for but the first word that popped to mind was afraid Hmm. okay do you want to do you want to expand yeah yeah i guess so um i i just think because he did I feel like at some point at least at least it's talked about that he had that same passion that Ben did, but the failure kind of like made him okay, I should just give this up and whatever, let it go. And I know if we go into the second movie, we also know a little bit more about like the divorce that happened in his life and all that. Um, but I think he wanted it so much, but he did not pursue it. So I think that was kind of like driven by some sort of personal fear, if that's even the right word, but something along those lines. That was just the first thing that popped in my head. 
I would agree with you, Brian, because I was thinking of the word jaded that I felt like since he knew about the history of the Freemasons that maybe, and, you know, it was the same thing as Brian said, you know, dealing with a divorce and then having a son that is literally a cryptologist and from his point of view, delusional, I think that maybe he put in too much effort into this. And then now he's seeing that, oh man, his son is going down the same uh, road in the same avenue that, you know, we, this is pointless. We shouldn't do this at all. You know, even in the movie when, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, when uh, Ben went to his dad's house and they were having that moment of, that he stole the Declaration of Independence, that I just felt like dad was like, why are you doing this? You're getting yourself more in trouble. You're, you know, now the police is after you. Now really the FBI is after you. So, you know, just give up this whole chase. 100%. Absolutely. I actually agree with both of you. What about you, Em? Yeah, I totally do. I have to say, I really like the idea of the, the jaded, term which you could probably tell by my reaction to it when it was first said but um yeah I think those are both greats and given that it's a character that we didn't discuss I think it's interesting that it also is still resonating with you know our thoughts totally okay one more before we move on to our next question Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna throw out there Ian Howe the villain since I I know Jerome knows who Sean Bean Yes. And yes. <laughs> Sean Bean. Um, since I know both of you know who that character is. So let's go with Ian Howe as our third. I'll let you go first this time, Jerome. Rugged. Ooh. So yeah, it's just like rugged and rough. Um, I I enjoyed him as an antagonist, as a villain. He just like did a good job. And I felt like he was kind of cheesy as well, like in a good way. I feel that. I, I feel that. that. Yeah. What about you, Brian? I would say dedicated. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I I don't agree with his methodology of doing certain things, but at least especially in the comparison with Patrick Gates, like he was still willing to do the different things necessary to make sure that goal gets accomplished. So even though he had completely separate reasons for why he wanted that, he was still patient. He at some points worked with Ben that sometimes he worked with himself, whatever, whatever was best for him to accomplish his goal is what he did. So I'm going to go with that. So I, I have a fun question here that Brian, you told me off air, you didn't like, and I'm sorry, I'm going to ask it anyway. That's fine. And that is um, if you had to recast one character from this franchise, it could be a main character. It could be a secondary character. Who would it be? And what actor would you choose? And either of you can start. I'm very eager to hear the answers. Okay, I'm going to take it because I thought of someone. I still don't know if I like it because as I told you off air that I like it how they are and I don't know that I want it recasted. Same. (laughs) But if I had to, I would recast Ben Gates with Matthew McConaughey simply because with that cocky mindset, I think between his natural like twanginess and just his personality i think he would pull off that cockiness really oh well gosh, I, think I feel so like the movie would have like a similar tone but also simultaneously like such a different tone <laughs> yeah. oh yeah yeah 
<laughs> That's incredible. Okay. Okay, Jerome, what about you? Do you have any no. character you would recast? Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of, of the questions he did do his homework for. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so um, I would uh, remove Diane Kruger for, uh, this is more current. So Zoe uh, Zaldana from uh, Guardians mm. of the Galaxy. Nice. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I, I was just thinking, yeah, I, I was just thinking just like of a, like a strong female like lead as well. And I was like, oh man, who played like a really strong female lead? I was like, oh yeah, the uh, Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah, I would definitely choose her. I think that with her wits, she can definitely go toe to toe with uh, Nicolas Cage. I, I don't know that I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't know that I would have ever thought of that, but I really like it. Yeah, yeah. same. So. The one other question that we had specifically about characters for you guys really relates to the fact that, again, in the last season, Emily and I kind of realized on air how much we relate to certain characters in National Treasure, maybe even in ways we didn't necessarily think of previously. So we wanted to ask you, is there a character from this movie that you relate to most? And if so, who and why? Um, and maybe even separately, is there a character that you would like to be friends with in real life? And also why? So I do have the hearts for uh, Riley because I just love a nerdy guy. And I felt like, yeah, he was definitely like the joke character. I don't know if, if he was like the same way in uh, National Treasure too, but just his whole like wit and just his personality and I just think that he's just like cute and adorable. I would definitely like resonate with him. So yes, <laughs> I know that was very vain, <laughs> but. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's perfectly fair. What about you, Brian? Ben Gates. Because so I am that cocky character that <laughs> would have done the same exact things that I just complained about. <laughs> exactly, he would do the exact same thing. And uh, say everything is okay. Yeah, exactly. Do you know why this is so interesting, though? Is because you guys criticize the characters. Well, maybe this applies more to you, Brian, but like you criticize the character that you relate to. Emily and I were the exact opposite. Like we were defending to the death the characters that we ended up relating to. Like that's just how it worked. But so um, I, I think <laughs> I think Ben also is more like they are similar but he's more like the sarcastic kind of knowledgeable person while abigail is more like cool calm and collected mm -hmm. uh at least in comparison um because you can't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him but yeah that's why at least for me if i had to decide between the two because i do find myself to be knowledgeable when it comes to history i would never say abigail because i'm not very good at the cool calm and collected thing i'd much rather throw a sarcastic comment just to prove my point so <laughs> I love that. No, but, the, I, you know, I feel like you should be Sadusky then because then oh, like, <laughs> you're about don't, it. No, don't say thing. that. You, don't, say you that. don't know what you're saying. Don't you say don't, that. You don't know what you're <laughs> okay, here's, here's you don't, I don't you take don't offense know to the that. strong feelings about I, 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 I don't I don't take offense to that, but based on your audience that you have right now, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> so here's the reason why, because one of my favorite quotes that I like from the movie is because it just reminds me of what I feel like Brian would say in the classroom. So here are your options. Door number one, you go to prison for a very long time. Door number two, we're, 
what was it? You, we're going back to the Declaration of Independence. You help us find it. Um, you still go to prison for a very long time, but you feel better inside. I feel like we would tell that to our students. I mean, not to that extreme, but like- no, would I wouldn't say something like that to my students. That's 100% accurate. So see, hold on, that's what see, this is the most I have ever liked Sadusky in this conversation right now. Out of context, like, I don't know if, because uh, I know- I know out of context, like, I think a lot of this stuff is, like, funny, like, especially that, but I did not like him in the movie, so if that resonated with a lot of your fans, yeah, I'm, I'm one as well. So, we are wrapping up here, and the way we end all of these interviews is with what we call our classic speed round, and so, if you don't mind, I'm going to direct this speed round to you, Brian, as the national treasure aficionado of this mm -hmm. duo. And Jerome, you can join Emily and myself in reacting and commenting on Brian's answers, if that sounds good. <laughs> Ooh, absolutely. Great. I love the judge, Brian. <laughs> I figured. Let's do it. Okay, so as you probably know, we're just going to throw out some quick questions for you. First thing that comes into your mind, and we may or may not judge you for it. Sound good? Love it. <laughs> Way. <laughs> All right, Brian, what is your favorite national treasure clue? The Charlotte. Mm, good answer. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? 42. What? what? <laughs> uh, I don't think there's actually an appropriate number of lemons, but that is also the meaning of life, the world and everything, or whatever the proper hitchhikers Lord. of the galaxy. Uh, yeah, quote is, so I'm sticking with 42. Okay. Well, Brian, what is one word that you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Overly hated. Snaps. Debatable. What is one location at which you would like to see National Treasure 3 film? The Hoover Dam. Okay. Is there a particular reason? Uh, I feel like as of now, other than Mount Rushmore, they've stuck more to like the Eastern side of history. So I think, I don't know why the Hoover Dam specifically came to mind, but something out West needs to be more included in the history of National Treasure. Okay. Very nice. I like that. And our final speed round question for you, Brian, National Treasure or Book of Secrets? Oh, National Treasure for sure. Yes. <laughs> Appropriate sounds, answer. Sounds Yeah, great. Book of Secrets is not bad, but it definitely does not stand to no with the first treasure. Time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I honestly can't think of a better way to end this. Thank you so much, Brian and Jerome, for joining us here on National Treasure Hunt. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having us. This is so much fun. And there you have it. Our conversation with five different national treasure hunters right here on the show. We kind of took the conversation from Twitter and Instagram right here onto the airwaves. That was a lot of fun. I have to say that was one of the most fun things that I've done in a long time. <laughs> if I didn't know how much we both enjoyed it, I would be concerned for you. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But hey, we really do have to thank every single one of our guests for joining us on the podcast. You know, not just taking the time to chat with us, but sharing with us, you know, their relationship with these movies. Um, I think it's something that you all know we take really seriously and we really appreciate for various reasons in our lives. And so we always really enjoy hearing about those sorts of connections for other people as well. 
Yes, we do. We absolutely love hearing from you guys. And I have to say, we learned some things from you guys during these episodes, didn't we, Aubrey? (laughs) Many things. You want to know one that stood out to me? I can't imagine what it is. Turns out I'm not the only one who hates Agent Sadesky. Indeed, you are not. Seemed to be a really common opinion. And I'm not sure if it's just because, you know, these listeners know my feelings and didn't want to offend me. But hey, I feel like we're all friends here. And if they had other feelings, they would have shared them. I agree that they had their opportunity and that they chose their course. They did. But, you know, in all seriousness, I've really enjoyed in these conversations today, as well as our last Superfans episode back in season one. Um, it's been really cool to hear how much National Treasure plays into the career goals, the education, the passions of our listeners and people who watch this movie. I just think that's that's so fascinating. It's so cool. It is really cool. And it happens way more frequently than I, you know, would have necessarily thought on the surface. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it was really neat to hear again in this super fans interview, in this set of super fans interviews, how that also happens. Aubrey, do you know what one of my favorite parts was? What's up? Hearing the way that everybody talks about how they got into National Treasure in the first place. Everybody, you know, for, for the most part, it was when when they were a kid, right, that they watched these movies. And then listening to this podcast is kind of bringing that back to them, it's bringing back something that they were able to feel as children. And, you know, just the amount of interest that all of our super fans still have in National Treasure just reminded me and continues to remind me why we do this podcast. And we do it really for all of the people out there who are looking for other people who love National Treasure. Honestly, I could not have said it better. I I feel the same exact way. I feel like there's such a mutual gratitude here. Um, Something that you all didn't necessarily hear. It was kind of stated offline, but, you know, everyone was so excited to be with us, chatting with us and sharing their opinions, but I don't think they realize how much we appreciate them. You know, yeah. it's, it's really a two-way street. This podcast doesn't exist without people who love these movies and who want to tune in and listen to us talk about them every other week. So really, truly from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for, you know, listening. Yeah, thank you so much. And if you guys want to listen more or interact with us, go ahead and check us out. We are on Twitter and Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. You can also hear us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Good Pods. Guys, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, like, do whatever you can on those various platforms. Talk to us. Let us know what you guys think about this episode, about any of our episodes, and about how National Treasure is impacting your life. Absolutely. And in the last few moments here today, we'd be remiss if we did not remind you that season four of National Treasure Hunt is hitting the airwaves January 2022. We are so excited to be bringing you brand new episodes, more science, more music, more historical deep dives, and even some new episode styles that we're really excited to debut. So be sure to check back in. You're not going to want to miss those episodes coming very, very soon. And until then, 
I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you so much for joining us on our National Treasure Hunt.